You're listening to the Roundtable Podcast, episode 46. I'm Brian Humphrey. And I'm Dave Robison. And you're listening to the Roundtable Podcast. Each week on the Roundtable Podcast, Brian and I invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. And then we dig into it, talking about what works and what doesn't, kick it until it screams out in agonizing horror, and then pamper it back into a refined and sharpened shape that ultimately drips with the visionary goodness we like to call literary gold. <laughs> One of these uh, days we'll figure that out. The no, time. we won't. I think I think that's part of the charm and appeal. <laughs> I agree. Oh, <laughs> uh, Brian Humphrey back on Dude. the round table. Dude, welcome Woo! back. Thank uh, you. So so you have a bambino now. You have a young little <laughs> Viking gnome, don't you? I do. He's so funny. There are times where like he's the the most adorable, cutest little thing. And then there are other times where he looks like Mr. Bean. And uh <laughs> I just don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> well, I, I think at this early stage of their development, they're they're actually trying to decide what they're going right. to do. So, you know, I mean, there's there's going to be a whole morphing thing going on. You could end up with a, a gnomish bean as a son. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm totally okay with that. You down that with that? Rowan Atkinson yeah, as, a, as an infant baby? That's pretty badass. There's actually a picture on uh if you just do like google images and you do like baby mr bean and it's like his face on a baby it's the most horrifying thing i've ever seen <laughs> oh god no well your and your baby is nothing like horrifying I, i've no, seen no, the no, pictures no. he is a gorgeous kid and, well, and, you. and you're now sleep deprived and loopy correct absolutely yes not as much as my wife but i try to help her you know as much as i can and Good, um, good. So yeah, so I am losing some sleep, but I can't complain about it because she'll murder me. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And 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 I think every man in 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 existence has has shared that experience in some yes, way, shape, or form, yes. except for me. So I'm right. Good and she that. would be right in doing so. so. Well, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You can't be sitting there saying, "Feed the baby, honey. I'm going <laughs> back to bed." That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, that 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 means you will not be breeding again anytime soon. I guarantee it. Because no. she'll cut no. those bad and, boys off. That's not okay with me. <laughs> or with us. <laughs> or with us. Well, yes. well, enough talk of, of wives chopping balls off. Let's let's talk about something much more appealing. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, like like for for example, uh, a guest host for our workshop episode. What say you, sir? Absolutely, yes. Excellent. Well, dear friends, you heard him uh, just a couple of days ago on the Twenty Minutes with segment. He's back. He's better than ever. Author of Fair Coin and Quantum Coin from Pyre Books. Uh, the author that IO9 endorses as a purveyor of literary crack cocaine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, back in the big chair at the round table, Mr. Eugene Myers. Eugene, thanks, man, for coming back and, and, and workshopping a story with us, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad Definitely. I didn't overstay my welcome. Oh, no, no, oh, not no, at no. all. Not at all. Is, is the chair comfy? You good over there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Can we refill your drink? You okay? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like a, I feel like a captain on the Enterprise. Awesome. That's, that's what we're shooting for. That's exactly what we're shooting for with, yeah. with an overstuffed chair. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Um, 
Eugene, holy, I mean, uh, uh, Quantum Coin just came out a few months ago. Uh, uh, and, and I remember you know, during your interview, uh, your 20 minutes with intro that there, you had written actually a couple of standalone novels in addition to quantum coin during that lag while you were waiting for fair coin to get published. So I'm really curious what's coming up for Eugene Myers. Where are you going to be? What are you doing? What, what projects are in the works for you, sir? Sure. Well, um, yeah. So now that the promotion for, Quantum Coin has died down a little bit. I mean, you're pretty much always trying to promote your work. Um, I'm focusing on revising a, another young adult novel, kind of a science fiction alternate history with the tentative title, Who We Used to Be. Um, and it's about a world in which uh, kids, when they turn 15, remember their previous lives. Ooh. And, uh, and this, you know, pretty much will set their, their life, you know, set the, rest, the course of the rest of their lives. Um, and the story focuses on one kid and some of his classmates who are the last in their school to remember their previous lives. They haven't, they don't know who they're, you know, uh, who they used to be. And one by one, uh, his friends start to remember and kind of, you know, split off and find new groups. And he really doesn't want to remember. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. Um, you know, it isn't sold yet. I'm still revising it. Hopefully, this this will be the last draft. I mean, I've I've done three or four drafts of this by now, um, and whenever my agent feels like it's ready, that's when it'll go out. Um, but I'm really excited about it. Okay, excellent. Sounds awesome. Sounds very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I'm resisting the urge to actually sit down and start workshopping and ask questions and shit. So <laughs> sorry, sorry. Carry on, sir. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so the other the other YA book that I, I worked on is a contemporary. Um, and it's about twins and mistaken identity, and that's kind of a well-traveled um, trope, I think, in, in fiction. So I'm still not entirely sure what to do with it or if I'll do anything with it. Um, I've got a couple of drafts of it, and I have some, some ideas on, on where to take it next. But that one's on the back burner while I work on, on this other book. And I've got you know, five or six other books that I really want to write um, whenever, <laughs> I'm not, whenever I'm not revising something. Sit down and, and, and start working on those as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the next project will be. I'm, I'm dying to just start drafting something from scratch. You know, uh, <laughs> it's been a while, and uh, I've got some short stories I like to work on uh, when I have a chance. And uh, you know, I do. I still blog every week. Uh, we have this uh, Star Trek rewatch um, that I do, and that kind of keeps me. You know, kind of helps fill in all the the free time that I theoretically have. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, are are you, and you're still working the day job thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so friends, the man's already got two books out, and he's still working the day job. And I know everybody's looking at me saying, "Yeah, Dave, yeah, he's he's doing that too." <laughs> so come on. Uh, what about conventions, Eugene? Do you are you are you guesting or or guest of honoring anywhere at a, at a convention? No, nobody, nobody knows who I am yet. Uh, dude, that's <laughs> not true. That's so untrue. Even if they did, I, I don't think that, that it's, it's time to start inviting me as a guest of honor. Well, that's Okay, yeah, I can see that. I might be, I might be overstating things a bit. <laughs> I, I went to a lot of conventions this year. Obviously, I had two books out within you know, six months of each other. Um, and I think the next one for me will probably be ReaderCon. Um, and I think that's in July. Okay. And that's probably one of my favorite favorite conventions uh that and world con are my favorite conventions to go uh, to very uh, cool. sorry world world fantasy world fantasy not, not the slight world con but uh yeah world fantasy and reader con um and i think i'll be at 
Dragon Con in August, um, ah. which happens to be the same weekend as Reader, as uh, Worldcon. So awesome! Very cool. Yeah. Have you have you? I'm I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Have Have you ever considered uh, Balticon? You know, I went to one years ago, um, and it was pretty good. I didn't actually go to a lot of events. Uh, I have friends who live in Boston, so it was kind of mostly hanging out with them, and, and we were, you know, doing writing days and things like that. But uh, Balticon's pretty was pretty good. I have I have good memories of, of that one convention. I haven't I haven't been back yet though. It's 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 um, our my first one was last year, and it was amazing. Uh, uh, Mike Cole was there. Peter V. Brett was there. Uh, 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 Joy Lynn Nye was there. I mean, there's some amazing, amazing uh, writerly talents there, plus the gaming and the people. It's it's a nice small con, but there's lots of great stuff going on. So, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to come back. Is that that's January, or February? Oh no, that's uh, May, May, May twenty seventh, twenty eighth. It's it's like over over Memorial Day. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I'll I'll consider it. It's, yeah. it's been a while, and I like I said, I have friends up there, so it's always nice to get get to Boston. Absolutely. Well, and you know, well, it's it's Baltimore, so it's even closer. I mean, that's that's you you can you can you can stay stay living in Philly and just drive down to Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, we will make sure all of that uh, uh, coolness gets into the liner notes, sir, and make sure folks are aware of what to keep an eye out for from uh, from the desk of Eugene Myers. Um, but, uh, uh, for now, what I'd like to do is, is pause for just a moment, uh, while we give some precious patio time to, uh, uh, a fabulous ebook or another podcast or, or other projects that are out there. And when we come back, I would love to workshop a story. What do you say? Sounds Excellent. great. I like it too. All right, yes. friends, you don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Big Anklevich. And I'm Rish Outfield. And that's R080T. We're your hosts for the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine. On the Doonstief, we read science fiction, fantasy, and horror stories. What did he say? He says that you're a loser. If you've never listened to the Doonstief, you don't know what you're missing. Stupid, worthless robot. After the story, there's witty banter and discussion from the hosts. What did he say this time? He says you're a loser. The best part about the discussion is that it's at the end, so it's easy just to skip it. Right. So, come check out the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine. Find us at www.doonstief.com. That's D-U-N-E-S-T-E-E-F. What did he say? That I'm a loser? No. He said that if you check out the Doonstief, you'll be glad that you did. And he said that you're a loser. Friggin' robot! Lords and ladies, boys and girls, children over the age of 18. You see what I did there? <laughs> I see Welcome back there. to the Roundtable <laughs> Podcast and the workshop proper segment of our episode. <laughs> Indeed. This is the best part. This is this is my favorite part. I mean, I love all the rest of it, but this is the part where we get to actually like get our hands dirty. I know. So, Elbow Who brought deep. us a story this time, Dave. Oh, oh, Brian, Brian, Brian. Our guest writer uh, actually started listening to podcasts all the way back in 2004, like when they first started. So he's got both of us beat by years. Uh, and, and he's been a supportive fan of the whole Patio Books community for as long as it's been around. Um, and then in April 2010, the lure of the microphone could be denied no longer. And he began contributing to the awesomeness of the potosphere with his own podcast, Geek Out with Mainframe. 
Now, in 2011, Geek Out was recognized uh, as a Parsec Award finalist, but the phone calls and the groupies and the near constant badgering for autographs and product endorsements just became totally overwhelming. Uh, uh, so our guest host retreated to the wilds to seek seclusion and peace. Uh, however, early next year, Geek Out will return, and I am told that the groupies are already preparing the face paint and champagne. Uh, now, while his day job is working as a mainframe and Unix system administrator, see what he did there with the mainframe? Oh, yeah. yeah uh-huh. mm -hmm. his, his, his free time <laughs> is spent uh, with his understanding and indulgent wife and daughter frittering away hour after hour on Twitter and Google+. So, dear friends, uh, we are pleased to welcome the gentleman of the Twitter sphere to the writer's chair, Richard Green. Richard, dude, we know it's never easy to bring your babies up for, for intense scrutiny and workshopping, and we so deeply appreciate you doing so, sir. Thank you. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree Absolutely. more. Dude, how did, I mean, Patio, how did you even know about podcasts back in 2004? What, 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 what clued you into this, this nascent art form that was just getting its legs under it? Oddly enough, it's a podcast I don't listen to anymore that was um, blues music uh, called The Roadhouse Podcast. Oh, I okay. think it may even still be going on. And once I started listening to that, I just kind of got involved in all the other stuff. And I always enjoyed audiobooks, so podcast fiction was a natural fit, especially since it cost a lot less than those uh, cassettes <laughs> that uh, I was getting at... Uh, Barnes and Noble and whatever bookseller is now out of business. So. Sure, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the bookstore that shall not be named. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so and and now and now you're you're reaching into the fiction zone. Yeah, I've done a couple of short stories for the Every Photo Tales, but ah uh, uh, yes, I did I did a uh, Nanorama last year with something that uh, I will have to do something with at some point. But uh, I started nanorama this year and realized that i needed to put some structure into this thing so i've been spending november trying to get the ideas together and the the totally unworked out version is what i'll be presenting today well outstanding then let's let's by all means get on to that uh uh richard we're going to give you a five to eight minutes give us the title the genre the format uh whether it's going to be a short story a novel a series of novels a, a patio book whatever um, uh, introduce us to the world, the characters, give us some, some basic, uh, uh, signposts of a story plot, uh, uh, and let us dive in and we can start workshopping this bad boy. Sir, the mic is all yours. Okay. My story is Kimber Starling, Earth Cadet. It's a, uh, lighthearted YA, kind of 12 to 14-ish sci-fi novel. Uh, Kimber is a precocious alien girl who gets left behind on a field trip to Earth goes to high school, and ends up saving the world with the help of her teenage friends. <laughs> it's a tale that about unlikely friendships accomplishing something important together. The setting is in the current day, with most of the story taking place around a typical high school in a mid-sized U.S. city. The two major alien cultures are the Andros and the Malev. Kimber's race is the Andros, a technologically advanced society with a history of scientific exploration. The Malev are a race that conquer other worlds, typically weaker ones, for their own ends. Usually, these two groups give each other wide berth, since neither one wants an open conflict with the other. Protagonist. Our main protagonist is Kimber Starling. 
She's an Earth cadet, kind of a geek on her world who's interested in the human race. Kimber's father leads a field trip to Earth, which she manages to become part of. She's been modified to look like a 14-year-old girl so she can observe human teenagers in their natural habitat, high school. Her stay at the school was only supposed to be for a few days, but she ends up stranded on Earth. Kimber finds herself forming relationships with some of these humans while she's isolated from her father and others of her race. Artie is Kimber's portable AI that provides mission support. Most of the time, he resides on a computer in Kimber's backpack. He can see what Kimber does through special contact lens cameras and speak to her over auditory implants. Artie can also form holographic projections that can be used for a variety of purposes, but these projections are not solid. Artie's protective of Kimber and is kind of an adult chaperone personality, if you will. He's also very much about following mission protocol and is often at odds with what Kimber thinks they should do. Amy Meadow becomes Kimber's first and best friend. Meadow's a creative girl who has a locker next to Kimber's. While not a loner, she's not really part of any particular clique since she's more interested with her artistic interests and related online communities. When Kimber needs help against the Malev, Meadow is her first recruit. Warren Michaels is a shy, bright boy who's attracted to Kimber. Since Kimber's an alien, she doesn't see humans in that light and is completely oblivious to Warren's feelings in that regard. As Kimber recruits Meadow against the Malev, Warren invites himself along, hoping he sounds much braver than he feels. Antagonist. The Malev are an imposing alien force, and their invasion fleet is led by an overconfident leader, Hadros. He continually ignores the advice of his chief of staff, Manos, much to his and his invasion's detriment. I also intend to throw in, you know, Mean Girls and other challenges of high school life. Act 1. The story opens with a Malev advance ship captained by Hadros opening fire on an orbiting Androsian satellite first, and then at the lone orbiting Androsian support ship. The Andros take evasive maneuvers as they try to recover as many of their away team as they can. In short order, the Andros retreat back through the Stargate to their native space. But before they can mount a counterattack, the Stargate is shut down by the Malev. After a quick head count, everyone is accounted for except for Kimber Starling. Kimber and Artie lose communication with the ship when the communication satellite's destroyed. And since they're only suspecting that there are technical problems, Kimber continues her observatory mission at the high school. And at this point, I'll be introducing the Mean Girls and other school challenges and other school observations. After Artie discovers that they are indeed alone on Earth, Kimber decides that they should continue their mission until they are rescued. In a way, Kimber's excited at the prospects of, of an extended stay on Earth, but not at being isolated from her own people. Feeling a bit vulnerable and alone, she begins joining Meadow at lunch against Artie's protest. It's not long before Warren joins the group, too. Act 2. Artie intercepts broadcast from the left that they are claiming Earth for their own and that other space-faring races should still clear. Artie and Kimber are both concerned about the impending invasion. Artie advises that there's nothing they can do except wait and continue to maintain a low profile. Kimber protests that they have to do something, but is at loss for any actual ideas about what they can do. Kimber asks that Artie continues to try to reach Thandros. Artie explains that Protocols insists on calm silence, but Kimber persuades him to make infrequent attempts anyway. An alien shuttlecraft lands at the school, 
a small squad of Malev troops make a search for Artie and attempt to recover the advanced technology that their sensors have detected. In the meantime, the mean girl steals Kimber's backpack that has Artie in it as part of a prank. And I just have a note here. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kimber, at this point, Kimber confesses to Meadow who she is and that she needs help against these alien invaders. Warren overhears nearby and nervously says that he wants to help too. Kimber and friends end up capturing the soldiers in the hold of their own ship and in the process recover Artie, save the mean girls, and protect the rest of the school. Act 3. The kids manage to start up the shuttle and pilot it into orbit. When it gets there, the main enemy battleship threatens to destroy it if it is, does not identify itself properly. Quickly, Artie is plugged into the ship so that he can route power through his holographic projector. Suddenly, a wave of fake Andrasian warships comes around from behind the moon, startled the enemy ships, take evasive action. The kids only have a short amount of time before the deception is discovered, since the blasts that these ships are firing are only harmless things of light. Since Artie's full processing power is needed to maintain the illusion, the kids are on their own to pilot the sh shuttle to the Stargate and reopen it. After firing back at the holographic warships and noticing that they aren't being damaged, Hadros orders his task force to plow through them and toward the gate. Seeing a second wave of ships bearing toward him, he presumes that they are also fake. Hadros orders his own vessels to continue straight ahead, only to face the direct fury of real Andrasian warships. Hadros is relieved of duty, and his second-in-command, Manos, leads the remaining ships on a haste retreat back to Malevolent space. Kimber and her friends are picked up by the lead Andrasian ship where Artie makes a favorable report, taking liberties to avoid anything that might get Kimber into trouble. An Andrasian shuttle returns Meadow and Warren to a wooded area near their home. Kimber says her goodbyes and promises to return when she can. Fade to black, roll credits. Okay. Woo! Outstanding, <laughs> Richard. That was a great awesome. pitch, man. Well yeah. done, sir. Now, what are you hoping to get out of, out of this this workshop experience sir well one this is the first thing that i've tried to write like this and organize like this so obviously any any impressions or comments will come in handy um i've read a fair bit of ya but i'd also like to get some ideas about what ya stories i probably need to make sure that i read kind of in light of the time type of story that i'm trying to read besides Faircoin and Quantum Coin, which <laughs> I, I'm on the website now getting ready to order that. Um, <laughs> Always and, good suggested reading for our podcast. Yes. Absolutely. That, yes. that won't affect my critique at all. <laughs> I would hope not. I would hope not, Eugene. Um, and on another note, something that I wanted to get a feel for, particularly from Eugene, but from both of you, uh, about whether when I'm approaching a situation, should I tend to look at it more from the, kind of the how the camera would look at it if this were a movie or whether I should look at it more from the emotion and kind of the internal uh, side of things? Let's let's table that last one as like a closing yep. question that we can address, because that that that's that's kind of a craft question. And, I, and I, it's a great question. I'd love to address it. But uh, uh, it, it might not necessarily be relevant to the actual workshopping of the story itself. So, so, and we, when we go to wrap up, Richard, we'll we'll bring that question back out, and uh, uh, we can all do a quick round of of our perceptions on on how best to approach that. Okay. Okay. 
Cool. All right. Now, before we get into this, uh, uh, we need to cover our ass. So, so Brian, would you be so kind? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> Richard, in, in bringing this, uh, this just pure awesomeness to us, <laughs> um, we are going to tear the crap out of it and start throwing some ideas at you that you may or may not have any interest in keeping because it is entirely possible that everything that we have to say is complete and total bullshit. So um, that is that. That's basically the disclaimer. Feel free to do with it as you will. You are the writer, and this is your story. Cool, cool, awesome. All right, excellent. Then it is our custom to to initiate these discussions with a quick once around the table to give first impressions and ask any questions of clarity uh, uh, to make sure we've got everything lined up in our brains. Uh, uh, and it is our custom to lead off with our our guest host. So so Eugene, uh, what were your what were your first impressions of Richard's story idea? And and did you have any questions to help clarify where things are in the in the story proper? Okay, sure. Um... So first of all, I, I like the overall concept. It sounds like a great action story. Um, young adult science fiction is actually um, pretty popular right now. Um, or rather, there's a demand for it because there isn't a lot of it. So in terms of getting examples of, of YA that you should be reading uh, that's relevant to this, um, I probably won't be able to come up with too many, but I, I probably have some. Um, to, to that point, I would also suggest that you just read everything. Um, in <laughs> YA, um, regardless of genre, um, or, you know, not everything, but read a variety of things. Um, even if it's not a science fiction story or anything like that, it'll, it'll give you a good sense of, of the characters and the, the types of situations and, and the, the language and all those things that you should be thinking about. Um, my first impression, uh, so I love the name Kimber Starling. Yes. Um, my first, my first impression is that this, this sounds like a middle grade idea to me. Um, now mm -hmm. that's like a longer discussion, what the divide is between middle grade and young adult is, um, you said that this was, you were targeting a 12 to 14, which is definitely YA. She's in high school. That's definitely YA. Um, but the, the overall setup reads younger to me. Um, and that's okay. not a bad thing. And that's not a bad thing. Um, j simply because, uh, of like really sort of how precocious she is, um, the, the relationships that she has with her friends, um, the fact that if there's a romance, uh, a romance angle to this at all, it's one-sided and pretty, pretty much in the background, it sounds like. Um, because uh, it sounds like she's really, you know, one of her concerns is being in trouble with her dad. Um, it's the, so the overall vibe that I'm getting from this is, is middle grade, and that might be something that you want to um, to uh, strengthen, or it might be something that you might want to keep in mind and, and kind of you know revise as as you go. Um, that said, Fair Coin actually got some sort of straddles that that line between middle grade and YA in some ways. Um, I wanted the maturity of a of a YA book, but some of the language in the situations. Um, came off as, as middle grade to some editors and, and agents. Um, and, you know, that's neither here or there, but it's just, just an interesting data point. Um, the only other thing I'll say before I pass this off to the others is um, I'm, I'm, I'm having that uh, problem that I have with a lot of fantasy novels where I'm just bouncing off the names. Like you mentioned the two different races that are uh, the Andros and I think the, the, the Molov. Um, yep. There were just a lot of names that, that, and I was trying to keep track of them all, like as you gave me the summary. So probably reading them in a in a story would be much more 
much easier to keep track of, but I, I sort of you sort of lost me um, somewhere along the way in terms of like which side is which and and who the different groups are. Um, and I have a question about uh, Artie. Yeah. Um, you said that he's kind of like the adult chaperone type of character, and uh, he's kind of there the whole time and and you know kind of instructing her and things like that. And it sounds like he's pretty. Um, pretty pivotal to the resolution of the of the story um is is that a fair assumption yes yeah um i would i would caution you against having him be the solution to the situation um it's fine if he's a tool it's it's fine if he's if he helps them but i would not have him be the quote adult that steps in and saves the day for the kids um that is definitely yeah and, and i agree he shouldn't be the one to come up with the idea for the uh, uh, making the fleet an illusion that somebody else should come up with that. Yes. Um, yeah. I would definitely say that most of the, most of the um, action should be driven by your YA protagonists. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll see what Dave and Brian have to say. Yeah. Good, good, good initial observations and comments. Thank definitely. you, Eugene. Yeah. And, and just real quick, just for a, a clarification point, um, mid-grade, what is the, the target age range for a mid-grade uh, novel? So, so middle grade is, uh, I think, is it like 10 to 13 or 8 to 13, something like that? It's, it's, it's your junior high. Um, it's, you know, it's literally is middle grade audiences. Okay. Um, now, a lot of middle grade readers will read up. So you'll have, you know, 11-year-olds reading YA books um, and, you know, 12 and 13-year-olds. So, so it, 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 that makes it trickier when your, middle, when your book is straddling that line. Sure. Uh, you know. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it's it, a lot of it comes down to marketing. It's really you know what your agent or your editor or your bookstore store wants to categorize your book as. Um, I feel like you should tell the story that you want to tell, but unfortunately, we do also sort of need to keep some of the audience in mind, especially when you're pitching it to agents. Um, you need to know sort of where it fits into the into the market. Sure. Sure. I, yeah. I, that, that was just an important, that was a, a term that I've heard used and I'm, I'm fairly clear on the YA age range, but I, I wasn't clear on that. So thank you. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I think a big distinction is, is sort of the focus of the stories and middle grade books are a lot more about um, family and friends, relationships among friends. And sure. YA books are a little bit more about self-discovery, um, you know, identity, kind of stepping out, and, and really it's like coming-of-age story. Okay. Um, at least that's, that's my impression of it. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Very yeah. cool. Do you think, do you think that the, the fact that Kimber doesn't have the same kind of human feelings and so she doesn't return that to Warren, that that helps sort of place it down in that middle grade? Um, Since there is no real romantic interest? You know, I mean, YA doesn't need to have a romantic uh, angle, and it's probably right. it's refreshing if it if it isn't a, a, a you know a focus a of the book. I mean, every, you know, well, yeah. I mean, I think I think people come to expect those um, those love triangles, you know. Sure. Um, but the the fact that it's just not the fact that it really seems to be more about this is her first, you know, the first friends that she's had um, mm-hmm. ever. Um, really seems like sort of a young, a young thing to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes cool. sense. Yeah. Brian, what do you got for first thoughts and questions, bud? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, <clears throat> I liked what a, a lot of what Eugene was saying. And one of the things that came to mind as he was talking about Artie is, um, 
the have it, it it reminded me a lot of the character that you have that it is sort of that parental chaperone but that thinks that he knows exactly what they need to do to to resolve the situation and she goes completely against it and so i i feel like there there should be one of those you know that their objectives are in direct opposition to one another even though they get along really well and it's you know, this is this is a, a very uh, cohesive relationship. Um, it's just one of those things where she, just because she's an alien, doesn't mean that she's not a teenager. Um, so, you know, that that was that was one of the things that kind of jumped out at me. The other thing is, I'm really intrigued by the Mean Girls, and they were kind of passed over a little bit, and it was kind of like, okay, the Mean Girls st- steal her backpack, and then they get captured, and then they get rescued. But I think that they really need to come into play a lot, um, and that almost to to the point where they're that that close to annoying recurrent you know it couldn't get any worse um kind of a of a character um and then there may even be sort of a romantic thing between one of the mean girls and warren at some point that that then we finally see some softening of kimber (laughs) you know nice where where at that point she's like hey wait a minute and and doesn't realize that she's sort of adapting kind of her earthly um, feelings, but so that's just my my first thoughts, and and I'll throw it over to Dave. But something to chew on. Excellent, God, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Richard, for my part, wow. Uh, first of all, very cool story arc. Um, wonderful, wonderful premise. There's there's lots of food here to chew on. Um, I, let me uh, reaffirm for me one more time. Is this a novel or a novella? I'm thinking with what I'm going to end up trying to fit in it. It's going to end up being a novel. Okay. Uh, one of the things that doesn't really fit into the summary is that uh, I'm hoping to interject little kind of uh, uh, Kimber's notes about what's going on in the high school. Oh, very and, cool. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and maybe do that in one type of typeface and then have like occasionally Artie's uh, take on things too and maybe another presentation just so that... Um, like, like a mission log. Like, yeah, like so it just true. kind of fills sure. it. Just, just the, it fills it out, and it also um, one of the things I like is uh, humor, and so I'm uh, uh, trying to use some of these elements to uh, kind of have some fun. And so okay. I think, okay, cool. I mean, that could even be like that. You you could do that even as the chapter leaders. You know, Ooh, I like that. like yeah. like little little quotes from her notebook or whatever leading into the chapter kind of thing. Sure, you could even foreshadow the chapter a little bit, you know, uh, in that to to then entice the reader to keep reading to figure out what right. exactly she's talking about. I like uh, that idea. So yeah, um, one if, if it is going to be novel length, I think we're going to need a lot more uh, of the Malev uh, uh, assault attempts. Uh, uh, having, having the one attack ship come down and then they seize it back. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but if, if these guys are both antagonist and comic relief, uh, uh, I could see multiple, uh, uh, attacks uh, or attempts at attacking, uh, uh, that, that, uh, maybe because they don't anticipate Kimber, uh, being down there, Kimber and Artie with that advanced tech, you know, their first attempt is easily thwarted. Uh, uh, the second attempt is more, uh, uh, concerted and Kimber only barely, uh, uh, succeeds while she tries to maintain the ruse of being a, uh, a human in high school. And then she gets wind of the third attempt is like, Oh crap. Now things have really escalated. Now I need to bring friends into this. So you get it. And not only an escalation of 
drama, but you also get to see Kimber being a proactive protagonist sure. uh, and and also get more screen time for, for the comical but malevolent Malev. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I like the idea of the first thing that they have to deal with it being Kimber and Artie and it being a difficult thing and you know, go, I don't, I can't handle this by myself. Sure. If, you mm-hmm. know, the next yeah. time it comes down when there's more, you know. Sure, like the, like that first the time, like yeah. you say that that Artie intercepts a a, a message from from the uh, uh, Malev that they're they're trying to attack. Maybe maybe that first initial announcement: "People of Earth, we now own your planet. Get ready to be stomped." Uh, and Artie detects that and squashes it and and just scrambles the signal, which which sends the Malev into fits of what the hell is going on? And then they start <laughs> launching. Uh, one of the one of the things that I, I kind of wanted is. Even though this invasion is going on, the general populace and the general high school doesn't really know that this is what's going on. Sure. So high school kind of go- keeps going like it goes, and so continue. Well, and that and that would be that, as opposed to it just going to, you know, chaos. That would be in alignment with yeah, with sure. Kimber and Artie's prime directive of yeah. not interfering. So so not only do they have to thwart the attack, but they have to do it in such a way that nobody knows they're under attack. Which just makes it that much more impossible, which is brilliant, which is awesome. Yeah. And, um, and it sounds like you don't want to go in this particular direction, but I, I see a scene where it's by the third attack, it the general population discovers it, and then she's forced to sort of reveal her identity to her friends. You know what I mean? It like it heightens the 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 necessity of yeah, that. Yeah, sure, I can see it, that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't. She, I don't or know. She if to, or she has to. Or she has to. Or she has to continue on. While you know keeping her own identity a secret, while still kind of trying to help, you know, depending right. on on you know what what her objectives are. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of like the 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 hero's first sacrifice. You know, she's mm-hmm. been enjoying being a human, and these people are you know they're her human friends. And if she reveals herself as an alien, you know, the the danger is they will they will fear her, and and she'll lose those friends. But if she doesn't reveal herself, then the aliens win and they attack. So it's that heroic sacrifice of I I, I have to do this, and then of course they 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 they're freaked, but it it's resolved, and and they're still friends, and blah blah blah. So cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I, li- I like that progression. I think it works well. Somewhere in there, I was thinking about the idea of that Meadow would realize that Kimber was taking notes on what was going on. Not necessarily discover the notes, but that Kimber would make some comment, and it's almost like uh, this person must be stalking somebody to get this kind of information. So there's, sure, you know, so the tension between this person isn't who I think she is, and then leading to the reveal of right. her being an mm-hmm. alien. Right, yeah, right. That sort of thing. Cool. Right. I'm, I'm going to sure. pass the mic back to Eugene. Eugene, what else uh, What else is on your mind? What, what can we tighten up? What can we amplify? Uh, what needs a little more attention here, do you think? Well, first I want to say that um, the, it, it, it's, a, it's a promising sign that, that you can take the story in so many different directions. Um, yeah, because really. Because you've, you've got such a great, you know, like a rich idea to start with. Um, so it's really about deciding, you know, where you want to take it and, and what makes the most sense for the character in the story that, that you're trying to tell. Um, I mean, I've just, I can barely keep up with, I think all of us can barely keep up with the types of ideas that are, you know, coming to us. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, I agree with, I think with Brian who said that um, there definitely need to be more complications 
Um, there need to be more um, failure. There needs to be more failure. There needs to be more. Um, I guess you kind of need to beef up the the invasion uh, part of things, um, and you also need to beef up the Mean Girls aspect of it. If the high school part of the story is is really important, because when I look at it uh, at face value, I mean you've given us a very broad um, summary of of the events. Um, you know not fitting in at school versus um, the world being invaded, uh, those two things don't equate, you know, in terms of their weight. Um, and especially when she isn't really a student at the school. Like, what is her emotional investment in this, in this scenario? She, she doesn't need to protect her identity so she can stay at the school. Um, I mean, she has these, friend, this, these friends that she doesn't want to, I guess, maybe reveal herself to. Um, but it seems like uh, you know the the high school aspect of this is paling in comparison to the to the larger stakes, um, and the reason I mentioned this yeah. the the reason I mentioned this is because I want to know uh, pretty early on, or at least in your pitch, what does Kimber want? Um, what did she want before she started at this high school, and how do these events um, give that to her? Um, because I'm not sure, I, it seems like she goes to the, to the school and then her goal becomes stopping this invasion, um, which is great. I mean, as an earthling, I appreciate her efforts. But, um, <laughs> but what, what problem is she, is she facing before she even gets involved in all these events? Is it, is it her relationship with her father? Does he not take her seriously? Um, is it her feeling like she doesn't need a, a parental chaperone unit anymore? Um, is it because she's been isolated her whole life and doesn't have any friends? Like, what, what problems does she come into this with? And then how does she um, attain them through her actions? Richard, um, have you done any work along those lines? Because um, if not, we, we, we can help fill in some of them blanks, I guarantee you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like I said, this, you know, one of the things that I threw away was the idea, and I may in, in terms use it as at least my own backstory, is that in their culture, um, the family is very close. It's a very, um, not a place of privacy. It's, it's a place of closeness. And there's this tension between she, that's what she's used to, but she's also wanting to be more alone and she's wanting to pursue this interest of studying people. Um, and the course of this, in, in one sense, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of contrast togetherness and community with aloneness and individuality and kind of take those concepts kind of back and forth. Okay. Um, okay. Um, and w with kind of a, idea that there's there's really a place and importance in both of those mm -hmm. um brian or eugene do you have any ideas along those lines about what we could give to kimber to to sort of accentuate that because I, I i might have something go ahead <laughs> i just wanted to put it up just to yeah, open no up. no yeah throw it in throw it in. I, so, i'm 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 working a different angle so go okay, ahead okay so so eugene <laughs> eugene uh totally tweaked something for me when he was talking about uh, uh the nature of, of kimber uh, and her story. So, and it kind of ties in with something else I was working with. So what if Richard, um, and here it is the, the, the classic round table. What if, uh, uh, what if, uh, uh, in, in Andros society, um, uh, uh, Kimber is at the age where you are assigned a field, uh, uh -huh. and her father and her mother are both, um, I don't know, cryptologists or chemists or, 
uh, geologists or something. And, and there's that whole, uh, uh, Kimber has been trained since the onset. No, let's go with geologist uh, uh, because she's gone to all of these places and seen these wonderful rock formations. But while she's there with the with the family and they're looking at rocks, she's looking at all the animals and all the cool people and all the amazing stuff and gets this desire to be like an anthropologist, a xenoanthropologist. And her dad's saying, no, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, you're going to be a geologist because my blah, 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 you know, or whatever. It doesn't have to be that heavy handed, but, but there's something where she's being groomed for something she doesn't want. And it's one of these things that we don't have to start off with early in the story. It can be something that just in course of dialogue. Sure. Sure. Already. Sure. Or, or even, and, and we can talk about, you know, I had some ideas for the lead in too, but, uh, okay. uh, so, so this, this field trip is her last hurrah before she's going to be sent off to geology school or whatever. Now let's make her, let's make her a computer prodigy and, and Eugene's comment about Artie being like the grown up and, and the adult and so on. Let's say Kimber has tweaked Artie's programming and the reason that she's able yeah. to slip away from mm. the group is because she's actually screwed with Artie's programming and she's going to make this expedition into earth, her application to Xeno anthropologist school. And if she can come up with a kick ass project and submit it to that, her father has to accept her as a, a, a qualified candidate for Xeno anthropology. So she actually drops off the grid and actually goes to the school. And that's why she doesn't get picked up when everybody flees, when the initial attack occurs. What do you think? I'm, I, I'm kind of liking it. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I need to back I, that around a little bit, but I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the idea of giving her more agency, especially up front. Yeah. Um, and and more, you know, sort of owning owning the things that happen to her instead of it being, you know, an accident or a coincidence or something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. 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 Was that what you were yeah, going to say, Brian? I like the that was exactly what I was program say, yeah. because then you can have some unintended consequences of that. Um, where she needs Artie to do certain things and he sure. can't or does it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was, I was kind of thinking with the lead in, I mean, I, I know leading off with, with guns blazing in space kicks ass and is a high energy point to start off with. And I, and I really don't want to move away from that, but there's, there's, there's so much groundwork and, and, and introduction, I mean, aliens in space and, and the field trip and all of that stuff. I mean, that's engaging and exciting, I think, right off the bat, especially for, for a mid, middle grade novel. And, and then having the, the maglev ship, unbeknownst to the Andros, as, as you know, we can have the whole, uh, uh, darling, this is your field trip, and daddy, I really want to be a xenobiologist, blah, 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 no, you're going down, bam. We can, we can have her engaging, we can see her engaging the virus that overcomes Artie's initial programming and have him become a cool, hip uh, uh, robot that still honors protocols but is a little more uh, uh her age her, her aligned with her yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then we can have the maglev uncloak in the background just as she drops off the grid and now the tension is heightened and and then we can have guns blazing and then but but and she's ignorant and the audience has no now knows something that kimber doesn't and that's always a good thing too so okay. just a thought i like i like the i i love the idea of that she's the one that screwed with his programming and that then later when she, you know, when she's, maybe she panics and she needs him to do something that is part of his normal oh. programming, something that he's normally <laughs> capable of, but because of her screwing with it, there's a glitch 
you know, from her tampering that, nice. that now he can't can't do that. But then I think that and, and this is this is where the 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 disclaimer comes in. You can totally throw this out as bullshit because it may be too bubblegum. But <laughs> the idea that then at the end he's been he's artificial intelligence and he's been fine the whole time. He's just been playing along. Oh. You know what I mean? And so almost sort of testing her and and putting her in a situation where it's, well, do it yourself. And it's and then it's sort of a coming of age um, in, in that sense. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about a different yeah. angle where, um, so just as, as Ari maybe is capable of intercepting their, um, the, the Malev's uh, transmissions, um, maybe in the end they end up being able to mess with him somehow. Um, you know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. They're getting information from him that, that they shouldn't have otherwise. Or right. somehow they, they sure. use him to thwart, you know, one of their plans or, or something like that. Um, yeah. Just another direction you could do you could take it in. Well, and, and you were talking about how you didn't want Artie to be like the, 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 the savior at the end. And that and I completely agree. You don't want, you want the, the protagonist to do that. Right. So, right. so, yeah, having him be subverted in the end uh, uh, and and... That that pulls him out of the equation, and now Kimber and her friends are the only solution, uh, whatever that ends up being. And if we're going to take him out of that equation, we need to provide Richard with some alternative <laughs> to how our right. friends are going to thwart uh, uh, the Malev fleet in yeah, some meaningful way. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, you don't have to take him out completely. You can you can yeah. now make him a tool that is exactly. you know at her disposal. So she maybe manipulates him in some way. It's it's like when you have a piece of software and you make it do things that it was never intended to do, and people are like, "Holy shit, I didn't know it could do that." And it, it's because it wasn't meant to, but you found a way to make it do it, you know. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's that's what she's doing with it. Yeah, yeah, that works. Especially yeah. especially kids. I mean, the things that they can do with with computers. I mean, I oh, you yeah. know, none of us oh. grew up with computers. So. <laughs> Sure. Right. Sure. Right. And and that that's in a very affirming uh, uh, statement as well, uh, because because the kids the kids that are reading this book story are have already experienced some of that. It's like, oh come on, Grandma, just hit the start button for crying out loud. What? Right. right. So and as far as the roles, I like the idea of uh, uh, Meadow since she's more creative. You know, in a situation, saying something that initially looks sounds like. Kind of, almost kind of like not quite a um, on uh, Eureka the uh, sheriff. You know, yeah, Sheriff like Carter. That? Yeah, mm-hmm. not not quite like that. But you know how he'll he'll say something and then all of a sudden go, "Oh, we could do that." Uh, I see that as Warren. You know, I see I see Amy yeah, as yeah. as you okay. know have Warren be Sheriff Carter and and being okay. you know be having be smart. You know, because because whatever Kimber's issues are, they they're going to need to be echoed with Amy and Warren in some way, shape, or form, so that they can feel a kinship, right? So, like Amy, right. you know, being the creative free spirit, uh, uh, maybe you know her parents uh, uh, are trying to get her to focus on a business degree, you know, maybe marketing, and she doesn't. She wants to be an artist or a poet or a writer. I don't know, something crazy like that. Uh, uh, and, and, and so that there, so that there's a kindred, uh, spirit in there that can draw these, these three together. Sure. Um, there's one thing that's been kind of bothering me and it's just because I spend every day there. Um, and that's the high school. And so I just, just from you, I just wanted to know what, how do you envision this high school? Because there's so many ways you can go. You could go comical, you could go gritty it could be a rich high school. It could be low income. It could be preppy. It could be gang riddled. You know. So are you? Are you? When when you're working with the high school, is this going to be like 
a realism, a realistic type, you know, there's people That's swearing in the hallways, yeah. or is it going to be sort of bubblegum like, um, you know, high school musical like type Glee. high school? Right, right. Because that really changes your whole story depending on... It really because does. Because the, the, the high school needs to be its own character, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is it Veronica so, Mars or is it Buffy? <laughs> right, right. Um... I don't want to get too gritty because I don't want to spend the time on some of the issues you have to deal with to really deal with some of the real problems that you would have. So, so you're not looking inner city. No, definitely not inner city. Okay. Um, I also want to at least acknowledge a few things. I don't know how to put that, but uh, so so kind of my so-called life, kind of a. Do you guys know that? I'd say show? that, except for I didn't yeah. actually I didn't actually watch that show. <laughs> okay. Do I do I need to? Uh, do I need to watch a couple episodes of that? <laughs> well, it never hurts. I mean, any uh, source may, material. May not be a bad idea, but I was going to say any source material that is going to inform your your repre- uh, presentation of high school. Because Brian's right. I mean, the high school oh, yeah. is a character that 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 Kimber has to integrate with, and that it needs to be recognizable enough so that the the reader can resonate to it, but. Also, you're going to need to pick very specifically what those issues are that Kimber is going to run up against that serve to inform the larger story that you're telling. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I'd like to treat the issues, the issues that I do bring up, I'd like to be respectful, but at the same time, I want to keep it lighthearted and funny. So, Right. Okay. I'm going to have well, to make sense. Here's, here's my main concern with the, with the high school, at least with the, with the um, is it Amy and Warren? Um, so she, so the way that I'm getting this is she comes, she comes to the high school and then gets, gets left behind, um, pretty, pretty quickly. And somehow like immediately becomes like best friends with, uh, two people who don't also have other friends of their own. So Amy's a loner, I guess. And then Warren kind of attaches himself to them because he's interested in, uh, Kimber. Um, and that, you know, I almost want Kimber to have been at the school for a while, um, or there needs to be something um, that is bringing them together. Um, Saying it's a little easy that they just suddenly fall into friendship. Yeah, and such a you know a strong friendship, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, she's like because you 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 um, described it as as her first best friend, you know, or is it her first friend? Period, you know. Um, those those lines are a little, little bit blurred. Um, I guess if you only have one friend, then that's your best friend. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the that the way that they come together, um, you know, and I I, I I just may not have enough details about how that that scene plays out. Well, know, maybe maybe that's our first introduction to the of the Mean Girls. Maybe maybe the Mean Girls are are picking on Amy. Maybe not only is Amy uh, uh, artsy and free spirited, but she's also a granola girl. Uh, uh, and, and very earth conscious and she's, she's doing her, her, you know, recycling drive and the mean girls in their, in their makeup and their, their Jordache jeans and their, their Givenchy bags come up and, and start, you know, harassing her in such a way that Kimber doesn't understand. And maybe she pulls out some, some alien tech that causes a force field. So they, they slip and fall or something. I don't know. Their, their makeup, their hair suddenly falls. It just straightens, you know, something horrible like that. <laughs> well, now, now that I think about it, I think what, what you're setting yourself up for is, um, essentially a, a, a transfer, uh, transfer student situation. Right. Um, because she shows up one day 
and she isn't already enrolled in the school. She doesn't just immediately integrate into the high school. She has to go through kind of like the orientation. So they need to come up with false records for her. Like, you know, if you're going to play this at least on some level um, realistically, then she needs to have like all her paperwork has to be in order and they need to treat her as a new student to the school. And so That's Amy an could be the point. kid. Yeah. Amy could be the kid who's assigned to like show her around or, Ooh, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. That, so you're, that could yeah. even, I was, I'm, I'm envisioning this scene where like the principal's there that, you know, her Kimber's dad is walking in with her, walks into the principal's office, comes out like two minutes later. And before that, the principal's kind of in a rage yelling at a kid or something. And then when he comes out, he's just sort of in a daze and she's been, you know, everything's fine and all the paperwork is done. And it's, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Almost, almost sort of a, a men in black kind of moment. You know? Yeah. Or already hacks into the school system or something. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about is since already had holog- was going to have holographic ability that he would essentially be a projection of him and he would like be a fake dad just enough to get her into school and break you know break in and hack the records uh, sure we'll see well, well, you know yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you did something like that because you need to set up the whole thing of him being able to do holographic images and his holographic images not being perfect and so yeah. maybe that's what attracts meadow yeah. to her is meadow sees the glitch right and then you know and now she's intrigued with this person and so she wants to get to know her and that's that's the attraction and Warren's a geeky nerd, and he sees her playing with Artie, and he's wondering what this cool device is. So that's his initial right. his initial draw in. So make him a science nerd, uh, yeah. uh, so that he can talk to Kimber on 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 a sciency level, and let Amy be the appeal to the to the human emotion art and and culture th- end of things. And now you've got two people that are feeding the two things that drive Kimber. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about the Mean Girls? Did do we have a moment where the the Mean Girls in, in the end are actually uh, integrated into the Scooby Gang and we all gang together to to fight the aliens? <laughs> do we want to have that? I like that you called it Scooby Gang. That <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Okay. I I, I kind of I kind of like I, it, it. On the one hand, it seems kind of pat. It's like yeah, okay. So the, the the bad guys are now the bad girls. The Mean Girls are now shown to be not quite so mean, but. Uh, I don't know. Is 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 that is that is that cliche or can can that work? Um, I also well, and this may this may be related to this. Um, the invasion it, are are they targeting the school or are they trying to get into like a city or something? Like, how is a, is is a school at all related to the to the invasion? My thought was that they would detect Artie whenever he tries to okay reestablish communication. You know, per- periodically, essentially pinging to see if anybody's out there. So their initial uh, their initial attempt is to take over the world, but when Artie intercepts the first broadcast, suddenly the school becomes the focus of their attention. Okay. Well, basically, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, because why why would they come to a high school instead of going to uh, you know some military base? You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I'd right. rather invade a high school. <laughs> yeah, but you're a, a high school teacher. Gun shooting back at you. Oh, you, really? <laughs> there's yeah. still there's still a few, but <laughs> well, well, I don't yeah. want to make them. I don't want to make bad guys that big of pansies. You know? yeah. right. <laughs> what were you going to say, Eugene? We can't have the thanks. <laughs> this might be blundering even more into cliche, but I, I would also suggest that there's a possibility that there's another student at the school who is an alien. Sure. Mm. Well, and you know, if mm. if maybe the Malev are are going to do the same thing that Kimber is doing and put one of their own on the ground, 
<laughs> well, I like the idea of maybe that they've already done it ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Oh yeah. But for, yeah but as long as it's as long as it's not a coincidental kind of thing, like you you know, if unless they have like an agent in like every school or something like that, or or whatever, like you, that, the reason that, for picking that particular school needs to be compelling enough that they also would have done it. The school is in the same uh, uh, city town as an air force base, and Warren's dad is a lieutenant in the air force. Bam. Oh, that's in- that's an interesting idea. So, so uh, you, you got to have somebody in the in that community so that they have access to that information. Yeah, and they could all be the kids of of um, military Force, types. Yeah, Air Force brats. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which which again is a resonance with Kimber because I I can see an Andros society, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Science Corps being the equivalent of the military since that's their culture's primary raison d'être. Uh, that's that's their that's their key product is is the scientific advancement and so on so yeah that's cool that's cool and which means then the malev uh uh are are you know just to explore the antagonist and brian i'm i'm shocked that i'm the first one to start exploring the antagonist uh well what the, the hell girls dude? are antagonists okay good point good point i stand corrected thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the malev then would be almost like a a, a borg type of race not not like the not the borg but but they they cannibalize technology they they're parasites they don't actually develop anything of their own they they cobble together all kinds of cool stuff which just looking in terms of of offshoots and sequels uh uh you know they could have some technology that they don't understand in their ship that 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 you know it gets dropped in the final fight that comes back to bite this community and so kimber has to come back and help in the next book but yeah be yeah. that and as it may be you you have hadros who needs to to reestablish himself within his community because he's been shunned and so he's going to be <laughs> twice as dangerous in the second book that's right that's right and now we're into full ya so now we're into graduating high school and now we can get into that whole love triangle thing and <laughs> alien right. sex and all of that great stuff so um, what, what I want to do, I'm, I'm looking at the time I'm going, holy, we're, 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 we're deep into it and we kind of need to start looking at wrapping up. So Richard, um, uh, you had mentioned, uh, at the onset of all of this, that there was a question that you had in terms of craft, in terms of whether you, whether you explore something cinematically in terms of your writing or, or if you're looking at it, what was the alternative to that? Kind of from more of an internal feeling, kind of how you react okay. to what's happening. Eugene, what 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 do you, what's your what's your take on those two different perspectives of the craft? Well, my prejudice is towards um, the emotional angle. I tend to care more about the characters um, and their you know their emotional response and their their actions uh, in a situation than I than I care about you know even the overall plot and the and certainly over the world building. Um, but I'll say that I think that uh, you have a lot of cool science fiction action going on here, and so if you can do a balance of both, I mean, I don't think you want to, to overemphasize one over the other, and I think that um, making sure that you have that, um, that emotional weight uh, that is constantly there even as you're you know, telling the story um, you know, uh, you know that you described the 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 attack at the beginning was was very visual. Um, that's actually the way that I approach a lot of my writing as well. You know, I, I was interested in screenwriting um, before I started writing short fiction, and I still like you know television, film, and so I tend to visualize my scenes you know before I write them or as I'm writing them. Um, 
but definitely the focus 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 on the character. I think the character is is the, the real key to to most uh, young adult certainly young adult fiction. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure, Brian, absolutely. do you have a do you have a take on that at all? I I think that was very eloquently put. And that's, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I kind of feel exactly the same way. I think yeah. for for me. Um, the thing that I'm the most intrigued with is once your characters become real, how do they deal with the situation? You know, beat the crap out of them, and then how they rise above it is what is what really shows me who they are, and that's that's the stuff that I love to read, and I think that comes from that that internal feeling thing, and then the situation gives you the cinematic approach. So yeah, it's it's definitely striking that fine balance between the two. Well, and I'd say you know I, I completely agree, and I think you know Eugene's point about the that emotional core. Let that be yeah. your first draft. Let that be draft one. Don't worry about the cinematography. Don't worry about the the the, the flashbang and the whiz boom. Tell the story of Kimber and Amy and Warren and Artie, and and let that story get put down on paper from beginning to end, and then come back at it with that cinematic eye and that Star Wars eye and that Star Trek eye and all of that awesomeness. That 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 you know is out there in every video game and every sci-fi movie that's out there, and apply that sensibility over top of it, but make sure that you've got that solid emotional core that is going to serve as the framework for that cinematic hoo-ha. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I really like that because I think it's going to be a lot easier to just add that part later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas the feelings have really got to the emotional content. Has really got to flow okay. all the way through it. That you know, a, you know, a layer that's got to be there the whole time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, let's yeah. let's do one more run run around the table here and, and give give Richard any any final thoughts, uh, words of wisdom, uh, uh, things that we didn't actually get to uh, in the discussion, and 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 load up his pockets with some literary gold and writerly goodness so he can go off and write this. So. Eugene, any any final thoughts or or considerations or suggestions for Richard? Yeah, I'm just going to probably go back to what I first said, is that uh, the direction that you take the story in is going to be different depending on whether you want it to be middle grade or young adult. And I feel like most of our discussion um, was taking it from the middle grade approach. Um, and so young adult might might present some 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 different requirements I think for the, for the story and um, and again like focusing on it from a perspective of character I think is going to inform some of the a lot of the plot really um, because you're going to want to um, throw challenges in there and in, in her way that um, are meaningful for for her um, and then also so you had asked for some some examples of things that that uh, that you should be reading um, if you wanted to go middle grade, I recommend The True Meaning of Smek Day by Adam Rex. Smek Day? Um, Smek Day. S-M-E-K-D-A-Y. Uh, <laughs> I think it's being developed as a film now. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's middle grade science fiction. It's delightful. It has a great sense of humor. Um, I, think, I think that's a really good touchstone for, for the book that, that sounds like you're writing, Richard. Um, and I'd also mention like a graphic novel called Zeta the Space Girl, which is a little bit younger, um, but has the same sort of sense of action and agency and a really kick-ass female protagonist. Um, and that's by Ben Hatke. I think I'm mispronouncing his name, but it's H-A-T-K-E. Um, and then one recommendation, if you're going more in the YA direction, um, is Earth Girl by Janet Edwards. 
Um, and that is out in the UK now. Um, and to plug my own publisher, um, Pyre is going to publish it in the US um, sometime next year, I think. Uh, but you should be able to order it from like Amazon UK or, or whatever. It's it's fantastic. And and I and again, it feels like a good touchstone for this sort of story that you're you're telling because it's about a girl who's on a mission. She's um, She's on Earth, and she's trying to, you know, make a case for her to be able to pursue a particular um, field of study um, that other people have said that she can't, and uh, kind of dealing with um, uh, some pretty large problems, uh, you know, on the on the cosmic level or the galactic level, I guess. Um, so that's like kind of a good example for like a YA that's close to what you're doing. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah, cool. That's great. All right, uh, Brian. Closing thoughts, final or final yeah. final thoughts for Richard? Sure, sure. Um, I, I I just want to touch on Hadros uh, for a second because he is the antagonist, and and that's kind of my favorite thing. Um, and when you were describing him, you described him as overconfident leader, and um, we didn't really talk about him much beyond that. But I just want to make sure that um, that at least for me, I wouldn't want to see him as overconfident and bumbling or constantly mm. making mistakes. I want to see him as sort of a darker contrast to all of the light stuff that's going on. So he is overconfident. He does screw up at the end, but I want to see him be a source of evil or a source of darkness that, um, that really kind of makes us concerned for the main character. Um, the other thing that, that I just looked at is um, you may want to be careful about his name, Hadros, being so close to Andros, the race of good... Mm. Aliens. Oh, yeah, and that's good, fine. I have good point. Uh, I have absolutely no attachment to any of the names except for Kimber Starling. So uh, if anybody right. has any yeah, ideas, this is an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Anything else, Bry? Yeah. Um, no, that's it for me. Okay. I, 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 well, no. Let me say that I think it's it's awesome, <laughs> and I'm really excited to read it. So that's yeah. the other the other thing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And and just to just to riff on what Brian was saying, um, um, to have the the to have the antagonist be a dark mirror for your protagonist, um, maybe have uh, Hadros be uh, uh, in in Kimber's similar situation. Maybe you know Brian was talking about in book two. Maybe he's shamed and he has to come back and redeem himself. Maybe he's already shamed. Maybe he's not supposed to be here, mm. uh, and he's trying mm. to reclaim his his right among the the, the Malev order by conquering Earth. And so he's he's also shunned and outcast and and give that a little bit of resonance so we can see different ways of of how that can affect a person whether they're alien or not. Um, but uh, uh, and and I, I I so want to see the Mean Girls uh, uh, play a larger role. I I I, I yeah. you know, we didn't get a chance to really dig into to Amy or well we kind of did. I like Amy and Warren a lot. The more we talked about them, the more I liked them, and I like them as reinforcements to Kimber and and the Mean Girls as an opportunity in the smaller story to serve as a proving ground for Kimber's mistakes. Uh, which she must make many of, and her her successes and nobility, which we have to see in order for her to be a protagonist. Uh, uh, as as the attacks are going on, I just think you've set up this marvelous parallel where where issues can be wrestled with and addressed and tested in the high school, and then played out on the larger, more more higher stakes field of of the the invasion. 
Um, so, so hats off to you, Richard, for, for coming up with a very cool framework and, and yeah. some very cool characters. This is fabulous. And Richard, dude, thank you so much for, for bringing this awesome story. And it, it, it's never easy. I don't care who you are. Uh, uh, that moment when you release your baby for other consideration <laughs> is never easy. Uh, uh, and we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And I, I appreciate the process, you know, from the ground up, uh, just having to sit down and come up with a eight minute, uh, summary was a challenge that, uh, I appreciate. So uh, all, all part and, of the, and the rest of, of it has been just, um, to give you a food analogy, just, just yummy, yummy gravy. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Gravy is my favorite. Um, now Richard, when you write this and, and you must of course now write this, yes. um, uh, and you release it, you know, ebook, self pub, trad pub, serialized audio fiction, whatever. Um, when that happens, you come back to us and we will hold an interstellar knighting ceremony for you. And we will make you a knight of the round table. We'll give you like a lightsaber and, yeah, and I was going to say maybe even a Jedi knight, of the yeah, a Jedi knight of the round table. Yes. Awesome. That's now the... Disney owns it. So we got to watch out for lawsuits. Oh yeah. Uh, Bring it on. Oh. Come on. Come on. Eisner. I'm ready for you or whoever's in charge now. <laughs> bring it right. uh so but that's that's the deal richard that's always the care that's out there we would love to have you back and make you a knight of the round table sir i appreciate it very much absolutely uh eugene sir yes. I, I i cannot tell you how much we appreciate having you here brian and i are 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 we aren't professionals <laughs> we're just flailing around uh and 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 dribbling at the mouth you your presence here has helped so much to 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 ground that discussion in in a framework that makes sense uh and and your experience and your own uh perspectives on this have been invaluable we are so grateful that that you came and played in our sandbox for a while thank you sir oh thanks guys i love i love this process i love brainstorming with other writers and and just talking about about books and and fiction and stories so this was a pleasure Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, yes. you know, we'll, we'll put you down as, as to be invited back. Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right. Awesome. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Oh man. Good stuff. Uh, Brian closing thoughts as we, as we wind this bad boy down. Yeah, no, this, this one was really awesome. And, uh, I, I really like how you and I, Dave, we have a tendency to, to sort of like, like you said, we kind of bumble around in the dark and we look very locally and we like to, like you love to do these grand sweeping gestures of story. <laughs> and I like to sort of hunker down and look at one little aspect for a while. And so it was really nice to have Eugene who kind of brought us back to, um, like you said, clarity and, and he put everything in a way that it was what we wanted to say and didn't know how. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, this this and then, is why and we have guest more hosts. Of, of his own flair to it. So, yeah, yeah so no, it, I, I thought it was uh, an excellent guest host, excellent guest writer. And, uh, this is one to go in the annals. I couldn't agree more. This has been a fabulous workshop gentlemen and, and dear friends, as long as we're slinging gratitude about, uh, uh, thank you for hitting that play button. As always, you guys complete the circuit for us. Otherwise, we're just shouting into the dark potosphere. 
Uh, <laughs> so if, if you had a good time, uh, and I'm, I'm betting you did because by God, we did, um, please, you know, ride that wave of, of joy and good feeling all the way to iTunes and leave us a, that was a subtle segue, right? Uh, <laughs> to leave us a review or a rating. Those of you who have done so, thank you so much. We appreciate that always. And it helps boost our ratings in the, in the search criteria, which means more people find out about the round table, which is always awesome. Um, don't feel like when we hit the stop button on the record or the, yeah, you know, that technical thing where we stop recording, um, that doesn't have to end right now because we have the comment section on the post and, and so many of you have been very generous in hitting those comments and continuing the discussion and, and Richard, we will let you know when, not if, but when, uh, those comments hit the scene and, uh, uh, feel free to continue the discussion out there as well. Um, you can always drop us a line at the table at roundtablepodcast.com or on Facebook, uh, facebook.com roundtable podcast on Twitter at writers podcast. And Brian is at Brian Humphrey, uh, with an IO, not a YA. That's right. Not a YA. <laughs> oh, just boy. realized that. Um, and uh, uh, now I know we're all sitting here going, "Wow, that was, wow, that was great. That was fabulous. I'm, I'm wiped." But you know what? In a couple of days, this is all starting all over again, and that is the glorious cycle, the the rebirth, the phoenix that is the roundtable will rise again in just a couple of days with more awesome guest hosts, more courageous. That is my new word: creative and courageous. More courageous. Courageous guest writers coming up and offering their stories. More creative, frothy goodness. More literary gold for everyone. And we do hope that you will come back and and continue the fun with us. Uh, uh, that's a couple of days away. So between now and then, Brian, what do you what do you think everybody should be doing? They need to go right. I, I think they should. I think they should reprogram yeah. their handheld computers so they can escape the the away team and go right. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> get, get get stranded on another planet, but uh, make sure that you have something with you that you can write with. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and I will say, friends, as always, you find what you're looking for. So look for the awesome. Look for the wow. Look for the yeah, baby. Uh, and you will find it. I promise you that. Uh, we will see you all in a couple of days. Until then, you guys stay cool, be frosty, be awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode is copyright 2013 by the Roundtable Podcast and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means don't sell it, but you can share it all you like. And you can even use pieces of it in your own derivative work, as long as you attribute us as the source and release the work under the same licensing terms. Theme music composed and performed by the talented Hepcats of Brotown. Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you'd like to be a guest writer or guest host, or learn more about the Roundtable Podcast, please visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast. Our Twitter tag is at writerspodcast, or you can send us an email at thetable.com at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.